0: You're listening to Fueled, a maker podcast, and I'm your host, Mason Macaluso. Welcome all, I'm Mason Macaluso, engineer intern here at maker and today, in honor of Engineering Week, I have the opportunity to interview Mr. Ian Trajan. Ian is a civil engineer joining maker in April of 2021. He obtained his professional licensure first in Illinois in 2002, then two years later becoming licensed in the state of Louisiana almost 20 years ago today. In his prior role, Ian served as the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development, DOTD, as the program manager for their involvement in the Louisiana Watershed Initiative. There, Ian oversaw the DOTD LWI state modeling program, managing four out of the seven modeling teams across the state. His active participation in various LWI technical advisory groups, representation of DOTD in the LWI working group, and involvement in the LWI technical design and quality team underscore his dedication to our profession. Ian's areas of expertise include, but are not limited to, project management, roadway design, 3D roadway modeling, residential and commercial development, construction management, stormwater management and planning, and hydraulic and design analysis, as well as mentoring young professionals such as myself. Ian, we're grateful to have you today on the show and your commitment to your profession. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Are you ready to jump in? Sure. Let's go. So Ian, what prompted you to go into civil engineering and what sparked your interest?
1: Well, I grew up with a family of uh, inventors, fabricators, and contractors, and I wanted to be on the design side of things. So I, I looked into civil engineering because they had so many different fields of study that I could go into. Uh, I remember thinking when I was younger that, uh, you know, there's nothing that a person does from the time they wake up until the time they go to bed that an engineer hasn't designed something to make their lives better uh, and easier to go through. So that's
0: kind of drew me to civil engineering. So you talked about how many opportunities they have to go into civil engineering. Could you maybe talk about those different disciplines and areas that a civil engineer can work in? Sure. That's a, it's a tough question because there's so many different fields.
1: Uh, I'll touch upon a couple that I've worked in. I've worked in transportation, uh, private development, as you said, uh, water resources, and municipal. You know, for transportation, you're looking at uh, a young engineer needing to know how to do roadway and vertical alignments to set the roadway up, uh, to run it through a 3D modeling corridor to see how the, the roadway affects or ties into the existing surface you're going to be setting up intersections and, uh, and possibly roundabouts because there's a new change to the intersection design that we're going through lately. Um, once you do that, you're going to be looking at trying to take the, the, the drainage for the project because when you put a road through a, a, an open field, you're affecting the drainage pattern. So you're making sure that you're effectively taking the drainage and channeling it to the proper outfalls that, that are, are along the roadway alignment. Uh, if it's a curb and gutter roadway, you'll be likely doing inlet spacing calculations to determine lane width flooding calculations to make sure that you're not making the lanes impassable by not having enough inlets in, in line to take the water into the drainage system. If it's an open ditch system, you're probably looking at designing the culverts for the driveways um, and making sure that there's not uh, too much head over the, the upstream side to where you're not overtopping the, the drainage culverts. Once you do that and you set all that, uh, you're going to look at some advanced grading to make sure that you're not holding water in the intersections when you design the intersections. A lot of times when you bring two intersections together, the corners uh, produce low spots. And so you're going to be doing some advanced grading along intersections to make sure that you can take care of that water that's being collected on the, on the roadway and channeling it to the, to the inlets. Um, You're also going to be probably doing some construction joint layout if it's a concrete roadway, which is very important to the lifespan of the concrete. Then finally, uh, when it's all over, you're going to be doing uh, the pavement marking, and pavement marking may seem like something very simple and very easy to do, but it's very important to uh, the traveling public to get themselves. directing them through your interchange that you just designed so it's important that the striping is there especially for roundabouts because they need to know which lanes they're going to be in if they could safely navigate the roundabout in a, in a safe way you know after i finished with uh the transportation project i was involved in a, a major interstate project in in, in peoria illinois in 2000s it was a 500 million dollar eight mile section of roadway which included uh, two tunnels, 11 major interchanges, and 32 bridge overpasses, just within eight miles. Yeah, it was quite a project. It afforded me the opportunity to learn a lot about transportation in a short amount of time, because it was, like I said, it was a $500 million project with a four-year construction uh, timeline. So we would design a phase, and they construct a phase. We design a phase, and they construct a phase. I was just fresh, I just freshly got my PE license. So it afforded me the opportunity to get a, a vast, understanding of transportation in general when it related to interstate design. So after that project was done, uh, my wife and I, had, we had kids, so we decided to move back to Louisiana. And when we moved back to Louisiana, I got involved in private development where we, took, uh, where we designed residential and commercial developments. Uh, Residential developments are very uh, unique because you have a holistic approach to the design of of the development. It's multifaceted, so you have different various fields of engineering that you have to worry about when you're designing these subdivisions. They may seem very simple, but they're not. You have to do a roadway layout to maximize the lots, the number of lots so that the sales of the lots overcome the infrastructure costs associated with the development. Otherwise the developer doesn't make any money and so why would he do a development if he didn't make any money on it? Yeah. So
0: going off of that, where you talking about how you have all these different parties and groups. How was that, you know, working with those other entities? What was that relationship like? Or what can a young engineer expect to go into that? Just as a whole with working with other engineering companies, clients, just multiple parties on a different project
1: well you can be expected you know a lot of times it depends on where you're at in your career if you're a young engineer intern that's just coming out of school you may be assigned one particular particular task that's associated with the overall project take a transportation project you may be the first person on board and so you they say hey look we need to set the horizontal alignment which is the the, the way that it travels through the area that you're designing uh, avoiding obstacles and such and then you then they may ask you can just set the vertical alignment, but a lot of the design team is divided up. So while you're working on geometrics, somebody may be working on, dra- on grading and drainage and other people may be working on uh, the other f- facets of the design uh, process. As you as you come into the field and you get on one of these design teams, a lot of times what you'll have is you have a, a design kickoff meeting. And uh, all the interested parties that are doing the various parts of design are gathered into one room. And uh, so you'll be assigned a certain task as well as others will be assigned a certain task. And there's going to be some collaboration on how how your work is done in relation to someone else's take for instance going back to transportation if you're setting the vertical alignments that has to do with grading and grading has a has a direct effect on the drainage of the project so when you're setting that vertical alignment to match the natural uh, topography that you're bringing the road through you're going to have to work with the drainage people the people that are designing drainage features for the roadway to make sure that you can actually get the water to the drainage systems that you're designed that they're designing and so that you may have to be, make adjustments on your vertical profile in order to accommodate the, their, their, their requests. So it's a, it's a culmination of collaborative effort in trying to get everything worked out. And it's important because uh, you, you can do all the upfront preparation you want, and, and nevertheless, you're going to hit an an obstacle. You're going to hit uh, the unforeseen utility. And when we're dealing with gravity systems, as far as drainage goes, you really can't modify the gravity system too much because you're locked at your outfall. So you're looking at making, somebody's going to get on the team and they're going to probably do a utility conflict uh, resolution. So they'll probably do a water main offset. If it's a water main, it might be in conflict. It's a collaborative effort amongst all the designers that are on the team to make sure that they're communicating with one another so that they understand where they're at in the process so that the project can
0: progress along and progress along nicely to meet the deadlines that are set for you. So sticking with our theme for Engineering Week of the future, how do you see the future of engineering as a whole, and specifically civil engineering, changing in the future from today? Ooh, that's a tough one.
1: (laughs) You know, I I think the the future of civil engineering will be shaped by these emerging technologies. Uh, You've got smart infrastructure, you've got advanced materials, climate resilience, renewable energies, data analytics and AI are coming to the forefront now when with chat GPT involved and everything else. Uh, you've got water uh, resource concept or water conservation technologies that you gotta deal with. And this, there'll be a sustainability focus on uh, engineering that's going to drive the change in engineering as we move forward. We're going to have to learn how to incorporate these emerging technologies into our designs because these cities are going to start changing their requirements and so we're going to have to start worrying about smart growth. We're going to have to worry about the urban planning and transportation and how that affects the movements uh, uh, moving people throughout these uh, urban areas because the growth in these urban areas is going to keep increasing and so you got more people. You've also got urban sprawl where a lot of people are moving outside of those urban areas and so you're bringing them in and everybody drives in in a vehicle well that's only sustainable to a certain point before you no longer have any places to park. Uh, So you're going to be trying to to develop smart transportation uh, features that actually channel people into the city in an efficient way to where there's multiple people like buses or trains, subways, and things like that. I know we don't have subways here in Louisiana, but uh, that's something that we're gonna have to look at. That's something that's gonna drive the change. Um, You know, climate change is going to be something else that we're gonna be looking at because we're gonna have to start protecting our coastline against the rising sea levels and protecting vulnerable areas. Uh, So these emerging technologies are gonna assist us and help us but it's also gonna drive us in thinking differently as engineers as we move forward. How have you used these emerging
0: technologies in
1: your career? Well, from the time I've graduated in uh, college to to now, it amazes me how much advancement there's been just in that short period of time, over 27 years. The The computers got faster, The programs got better, the design programs became more plentiful for us to use, and it made our daily lives easier. But you got to understand that uh, as a young engineer, you have to understand the fundamentals of engineering to appreciate the results that are coming out from these new technologies, from these new programs. You know, garbage in is garbage out in a computer program. So you've got to understand what goes into it, make sure you got the inputs right and understand what's coming out. Um, what I do is I, I, I'm, a, uh, I'm a computer nerd, so I try and stay on top of technology. I've read and I continue to read engineering journals to figure out where the, where the engineering field is moving and what new technologies may be affecting certain part, aspects of our design. I also involved in my professional organizations, and I think it's important that you do so too. Right out of school, I started in ASCE and went through the volunteer for the board. and went up through treasury all the way to president-elect and then I moved out of state so I couldn't serve my time as president. But, uh, Being involved in those boards allows you close interaction with speakers that may be speaking at your luncheons uh, so you can learn about new technologies. And also you might be involved in setting up a conference and talking with speakers, getting speakers to come to the conference. And, And your involvement in those professional organizations allows you the opportunity to be involved and also to learn from these speakers that come talk to us about what's happening. So that's that's kind of what I do to stay on top of things,
0: you know, and that's what I suggest for a young engineer to do the same. Yeah, I can definitely say I'm involved in ASCE. I'm also involved with the American Public Works Association. Oh, the yeah. APWA, and I've gone to their luncheons and their seminars, and I think it's, you know, very helpful with me just starting out to, you know, meet those new people and hear what other companies are, individuals are working on, it's just been eye-opening
1: yeah because you know when you're at your own firm working you got like minds and so we've, we've been doing it this way we've always done it this way so when you go to these conferences and these different luncheons you see how other engineers are approaching the same problem but in a different manner so you can learn from that and say hey why don't we look at this you know next time you have a, that same problem hey I was at a luncheon and I learned this is what they use to handle that why don't we look at that for the design possibility so it's uh, it's good to be involved in that and I encourage everyone Everybody, to do that because it's important to our profession that we stay involved and stay engaged so that we don't let our profession slow down and, and get passed
0: by by any technologies that are out there. As we all know, the, um, everything isn't perfect on paper and many experience setbacks over the course of their career. Ian, would you be willing to share with us one of those instances where you've experienced a challenge or a setback and How did you overcome that challenge or setback? As a professional, you're going to
1: face a setback. It's inevitable, it's it's always gonna happen. There's no perfect set of plans that are out there. Uh, you're going to have construction issues with design. Uh, you're going to have uh, unforeseen utilities that weren't picked up in the survey that uh, that your storm sewer system is going right through. So um, that those challenges uh, come, you're going to have overruns on projects because of for utilities and you having to do these water main offsets or you having to relocate utilities uh, or modify your design because of these utilities. Uh, Not meeting a deadline is another setback. Um, It's not important Our people aren't going to look at you for the setbacks. What they're going to look at you for is how did you overcome those setbacks? I agree with that. And and that's the most important thing. What was your solution to the problem? Uh, Because without these setbacks, we don't learn as engineers uh, how to move forward. And I think these setbacks are strength-building opportunities for us to expand our knowledge and to to work with the contractor. You know, when you go out to a job site and there's an issue, have a solution formulated in your mind before you go out. But the first thing you should do is ask the contractor what his idea of the solution might be. He has probably seen more of those instances where there's conflicts on job sites that you have, and you might be able to offer some insight that might alter your solution. So uh, it's important to get the contractor's feedback from when you're dealing with construction issues. But that's basically what I did is I focused on uh, just learning from any of the setbacks that I, I faced and, and worked with the contractors to come up with some solutions, viable solutions to problems on job sites because that's, that's basically mainly where you hit your setbacks at is on a job site um, because we don't when we survey, we don't typically pick up, all the markings because they don't typically mark all the uh, utilities for us when we're as surveyors only when you dig or they're required by law to actually mark so a lot of times we don't have those utilities marked out on our plans and all of a sudden they go to construction and we hit one of these utilities or we're in conflict with one of these utilities so but uh i think you uh, the best way to do it is just to learn from learn from the setback and and it, it builds us and makes us stronger and better engineers. So
0: shifting to a positive note, okay. what, was, what would you say is your proudest moment of your extensive career that you've shared with us?
1: Well, in the beginning, graduation was one. Engineering, as you know, is not an easy field. So graduation was a, was a, a proud moment for me. I was one of the first of my family to actually uh, get a college degree. So uh, graduation was uh, really important. Um, Getting my PE license was another accomplishment that, uh, because without your PE license, you really can't do civil engineering. You'll be a designer for the rest of your life, but without that license, uh, you won't advance in your career. Being selected as a deputy project manager for the Upgrade 74 project that I talked about in Peoria, Illinois, uh, was another uh, achievement that I'm very proud of. And while I was in Illinois, I was selected for the class of 2002 top 40 leaders under 40. So that was something that I was pretty proud of because I'd only been there a couple years. And then through my volunteer uh, efforts with Catholic charities, being on different boards and uh, trash pickup days and things like that, I was able to qualify for that uh, 40 leaders under 40. So I was pretty proud of that. Uh, at one point, I owned an own engineering firm, and I'm really proud of that. It was uh, a challenge, you know. I, I really enjoyed
0: it, and uh, pretty proud of it. So, Ian, we talked about um, collaborating with other, with clients. You have contractors, other engineering firms. What's the best way that you've learned over your career just to make? you know, everybody happy, having those good working relationships?
1: Well, you know, mostly y- your main focus is on clients, client satisfaction. Yes. And so uh, in order to do that, you, you, you've got to understand what it is your client's needs are and how you're going to address them. Um, a lot of people will stop there but it's important to go a step further. It's important to know your client and to understand everything about them and everything about their municipality, if it's a municipality, so that you can foresee possible opportunities where you can come in and do more professional engineering for them. Uh, It's important that you understand what they do so you can anticipate problems that may arise in the future. Like you may have a lot of development coming in and their sanitary sewer system may not have the capacity so you can forewarn them of that and so they can take proactive approaches to doing that. I think it's important to manage expectations with your clients as well Uh, and meeting deadlines. That'll go a long way for client satisfaction. And uh, I think that's what we strive to do You know, in everything we do our collaboration with the contractors and other design teams is to make sure that we satisfy our clients with what, what, what we were tasked with doing.
0: So, Ian, what do you think is the best advice that you have ever been given? I know that's a big question. It, that's the easy one. It's, uh,
1: I remember it because it's not one that made me too happy when I first got it, but uh, My first job, I went in and asked a question to my supervisor and uh, he gave me the answer. And as I was walking out, he said, hey, Ian, uh, you got a minute? I said, yeah. So I came back and he said, "Uh, don't ever walk back into my office without knowing the answer to your own question. And I walked away and I was really shocked by that. I was, you know, just graduated and graduated high honors and stuff. And I thought I had a big chest. I was like, oh yeah, that's, You know, I I knew everything. knew the world when I graduated, but of course I didn't. Um, But what I learned was, was he was trying to get me to formulate a response to the question I was going to ask so we can have an open discussion about the problem or the question that I had. And it was teaching me to think for myself and not to be reliant on others for the answer at all times. So that was a, that's, that was probably one of the best pieces of advice I got is to at least formulate an answer to the question you're going to ask because it creates a dialogue for with your supervisor
0: versus them just telling you to answer and you walking away. Yes, I I actually had a professor when I was at Louisiana Tech and he gave that same advice to all of us oh, in really? his class. Oh, He said, it's okay if you don't know, but it's better to know where it came from.
1: Right, yeah, and that's, what, that's what my supervisor said. He said, even if it's wrong,
0: it's mm-hmm. okay. You tried to formulate a response yes. for yourself. So, yeah. Going off of that, do you have any advice to give to young engineers such as myself and those who will be coming after me?
1: Yeah, that one's easy. Never stop learning. Uh, I've been licensed for over 22 years, I've been in the field for 27 years, and I'm still learning to date. Um, don't let yourself get pigeonholed into one area of design. Reach out and seek new design opportunities. Here at Maker, we do a gamut of engineering. We do we have so many different fields of study from municipal to water resources to transportation. Don't let those opportunities pass you by. You know, seek out and seek, you know, let let people know, hey, Uh, I'm Mason, and I'm interested in transportation, and I would like to be on a roadway project. Or I would like to be involved in a sanitary sewer treatment plant project. Let people know what you want to do and just just reach out and, and get a vast experience because projects involve multiple avenues of design. And so the more knowledge you have, the better you can be and the better of an asset you are to a company. That's the advice I would give.
0: Before we close out our interview, I have to ask our closing question, one that's posed to all of the guests of our podcast. In the spirit of Fueled, our podcast name, what fuels you, Ian? That's an easy one. It's my family. My
1: family uh, drives me to be the best that I can be at work, at home, and in life. Without them, I'm nothing. So uh, kudos to my
0: family. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. Ian, for sitting down with us and allowing me the opportunity to ask you some of the questions that young engineers such as myself may think about.
1: Oh, it was a pleasure. And remember, my door is always open. I'm always there for anybody. But I enjoyed, really enjoyed being here. I really enjoyed your questions. They were very thoughtful and insightful. So really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.